What's happening, weirdos? So sorry. Just snuck this in on Valerie. Did. We are so happy to be back with you guys. It's a Monday we made it weird because our sitter had the Moderna thing and wasn't feeling great. I had my Moderna thing and I'm feeling fantastic. Moderna thing. My Moderna thing. (laughs) I got my second Moderna thing. I'm feeling great. We actually mentioned it in the podcast. I think this is not a sponsor of the show. I've been drinking so much liquid IV because everyone's like, stay hydrated, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. And I feel fantastic. So if you want some and if you're going to get the vaccine, I recommend it. Liquidiv.com, promo code WEIRD. It uh, seemed to be a game changer to me. That's not an ad. That's it, just it, me help, trying yeah. to help. It is. They are a sponsor of They are a sponsor show. of other episodes, but, but not, this, not episode. this episode. Yeah. So I'm just dropping that. Because I think it really made a big difference for me. Um, Any Hoozle, I feel great. We're so happy to be back, and this is a great episode. Yeah, we like we talk about farts for most of it, but then we get real deep. There is some <laughs> fart chat, but then we get deep. Not too much fart. Even the fart chat is very good. Uh, if I you, agree. If you can get through the farts, there's some really good stuff on the other side. And Which if is you like true farts, in relationships, I think. That's true. That's how I feel about you. So it's a... <laughs> It's all we had some of our biggest laughs in this episode too. That's I'm really true. happy to say. Mm-hmm. Um, this is brought to us by our Pete's picks, Pete and Val picks. If you like the show, the only and best way to support us uh, and to keep us going is to get us uh, to get yourself a Pete or a Val's pick. Starting with Brooklinen, it's spring again, or is it summer? What is time? It's spring. It's <laughs> yeah, but it feel spring. it feels like summer in LA. Oh yeah. Either way, it may be time for a change, <laughs> especially around the house. So how about a change that makes you super comfortable and makes your home look good? Enter Brooklinen. Brooklinen was started to create beautiful, high quality home essentials that don't cost an arm and a leg. And people, what a success. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, I see. It's like, in people, what a success. <laughs> I it was like, and don't cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> and people. What a success. What a success. And people, what a success. Brooklyn and works directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. And people, what a success. You So you get their amazing array of products at a reasonable price. Brooklyn and has something for every comfort need, ideal for a seasonal refresh, because they're launching new products, colors, and patterns all the time. I'm talking buttery, soft, and breathable sheets, plush and absorbent towels, cozy robes, and comfy loungewear you want to put on and never take off. They're so confident in their core products that they come with a 365-day warranty. That's one Earth year. And fans are confident, too. They've received over 75,000 five-star reviews and counting. And for their their customer service, clearly, people, people, (laughs) what a success. They get their eight hours every night because they're a dream to work with if you ever have an issue. Uh, We did, we heard about Brooklinen on another podcast. We gave it a go and we're so glad we did. They're incredibly soft. We spend so much time in, on, around our bed, uh, as well as the towels. They're incredible. So do yourself a favor. Don't wait to be in a fancy hotel to have fancy sheets and uh, home essentials. Get them at Brooklinen without the markup. It's such a great idea. Give yourself the comfort refresh you deserve and get it for less at Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code WEIRD to get 20 bucks off. With a minimum purchase of $100. That's B R O O K L I N E N dot com. Enter promo code WEIRD for 20 bucks off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's Brooklinen.com, promo code WEIRD. And people, 
What a success. <laughs> and show your support of this podcast. Also, me undies. I'm wearing, oh, there's like gophers? What do you yep. call Or porcupines? The, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a porcupine, porcupine rodent creature on my drawers. Very cute. So I was just shooting this pilot, and every time I changed, or it, being honest, every time I bowled and bent over and everybody could see my underwear, I would often get a lot of comments on mummy undies. Mummy undies. People would be like, oh, it's skulls today, or whatever it was. I love me undies. We heard about them on other podcasts, and Val and I a couple years ago did a complete uh, me undies overhaul. Every pair I have is now me undies. I love them. I always like to point out that I get the 3XL because I like them a little bit bigger. Um, and I get the miscellaneous patterns. I'm a member of their club. They come in the mail. Once a month, I get new pairs, and I always look forward to them. And the new ones that you just got are super soft. It's like a, it's like a new kind of fabric. I think they did just in, uh, increase the softness of I the I mean, they were already down. the softest things you've ever touched, but they this just was got like it better. next level, and it, they're like a really pretty color. I was like, ooh, I, I might agree. steal these. So summer is coming. There's <laughs> a hat. And for so many of us, <laughs> it's the season of discomfort. It's hot out, and you could sit around in just your underwear. You would if you could. Well, guess what? You can. MeUndies wants to make this the summer of comfort. And they want you to know that if you want to sit around in your underwear, that's absolutely allowed. Get comfortable and express yourself this summer with undies in classic and bold colors and fun and adventurous prints. As I just mentioned, I like MeUndies makes it easy to match, too. You can match your bottom half to your better half or halves. Yes, you can match your friends, too. MeUndies helps you find matching pairs in a style and color or print of undies that's right for you and your boo, which Val and I do. (laughs) (laughs) Because who doesn't want a secret twinning moment? MeUndies has a great offer for weirdos. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has a problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats and no questions. To get 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash weird. That's MeUndies.com slash weird to get some great underwear or loungewear and show your support of this podcast. We appreciate it. Last but not least, speaking of comfort... Val can attest, I put these on a couple months ago and I haven't taken them off. They are the perfect jean. I hate hard pants. I don't understand why we can't just give in, move into the 21st century and start wearing comfortable soft pants that look good. Enter the perfect jean. They look great. They are my favorite pants I've ever owned. That's not a line in the copy. This is just me talking about my pants. (laughs) They're super soft and flexible fabric. That looks so good, no one needs to know. I was trying to wear yoga pants in public, but I'm not Sting or Phil Collins. I couldn't pull it off. Uh, But why are we trapping our bodies, restricting them, our privates, like they owe us money? These are the best pants I've ever owned. I haven't taken them off. They're made of premium stretch fabric that's 2% spandex, 2.5% rayon for extra comfort and movement that your man parts require. The jeans stretches so your nuts ain't crushed, thereby proving proving to be the only true home for your bone. That's my favorite line. <laughs> There's specialized washing uh, so your jeans feel as soft as a baby's bottom. You may even forget that you're wearing pants and they're incredibly durable. They're constructed using the highest quality materials and sewing techniques to provide you with a product that is built to last. And best of all, they're not khakis. Fuck your khakis and spare your nuts. The perfect jean for the perfectly imperfect man. Just 60 bucks when you use weirdo at code 
uh, code at checkout. So liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect gene, whether you're working with lemons or lentils, a three-leaf <laughs> three clover, or a big old honking eggplant, the perfect gene has you covered. Take a peek at www.theperfectgene.nyc. That's theperfectgene.nyc, code WEIRDO, for 25% off at checkout. And show your support of the show and protect your nuts uh, or whatever you're working with. All right, guys, everybody, enjoy. We made it weird 33. Woohoo! Val? Yeah? Say it. Get into it. Nice. Val! Uh. <laughs> Hi everybody. Hi everybody. Sorry for the delay. Wow. The delay. I just realized your voice sounds really like deep and smoky. Smoky deep. Well, I'm on day two of my second dose of the Moderna vaccine. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm totally going into this one being like. You know, there have been other weeks where I felt like low or or low energy. Yeah. And I've like really tried to just like kick start it up, like pour some like fucking weed whacker fuel <laughs> in the car and light a match, you know? Yeah. And this week <laughs> I mean sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean yes week, as in just keep going. <laughs> oh I'm Jesus. And this week I was like, what if I'm just more relaxed? I don't have to fucking kick it into full Liu Kang mode. Yeah, some people might find that they prefer this. <laughs> oh my god, you are a sassafras. I might prefer it. I don't want to think of this podcast as a place either of us has to go. To, and when like, we do a good job, to do a good job, to give <laughs> to it effort, to give it interest, to, yes, <laughs> to make it something people would want, would want to spend to... their time with. Yeah, sorry, exactly. did, is that what you were going to say? Yeah, it's I a will... free podcast, and you get what you pay for. <laughs> oh my god! There's that part in Toy Story Four where Bo Peep is climbing up a pipe. Mm-hmm. It, they're underneath the carousel. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And she climbs in a way that it's like a prime fart position. Yes, I know. <laughs> she's hanging like a sloth. You know, she's got her arms above it and she's got her feet crossed over the pole. And then she's shimmying. And I'm always like, that is a prime. That's like, that's like, please don't fart position. Please don't fart. Please don't fart. Please don't fart. And Woody is climbing in a not please don't fart position. Like he's chosen a more butt constricting position. Uh huh. And he's, but he's in her, you know, her crop dust zone. <laughs> well, like if she farts, <laughs> there's a snake in his boot, if you understand what my meaning. Now, why wouldn't you go with somebody who poisoned the water hole? Somebody poisoned them because nobody knows somebody poisoned the water hole. So nobody knows that one. People know there's a snake in my boot. Nobody knows I want to join your posse, boys, but first I'm going to sing a little song. You and I know. In fact, we could have a very long and uh, labored conversation about my consciousness theory of Toy Story, but... Instead, we're going to talk about Bo Peep's fart position. <laughs> Listen, there's something going on here. She's in... It's like that story I tell where I squatted 
like a catcher yeah. and I was holding still for I a photo. I love that story. Oh my god. I love I I saw you do tell that story for the first time on stage. Which is like used to be one of my favorite feelings, and I just mean used to be because I don't see you do stand up anymore. Yeah, but because you know I would watch you do stand up so much, and I am with you every other second of the day that I just know your material. And even if you're trying a new joke, it's something that you had like tried on me or said to me usually. Mm. But then every once in a while. There would either be an old joke or story that I hadn't heard, or even more impressively, there or would be rarely a, yeah a story that you just didn't know at all. Or, or I was just going to say a joke that um, you a new joke that I was like, when did you think of that? When did you write that down? But this was an old story that I I didn't know at all, and it made me. I didn't I, know you liked it. I love it. We're talking. Tell the story. I can tell it very briefly in case people have heard it. But uh, it was in seventh grade or eighth grade. I also do have such a love and fondness for your child self. Like we have our own thing going on. Yeah. Whenever you see like I saw somebody posting a photo of them in junior high and they were like, is it too late to go back and bully myself? But it was a joke. But he was wearing like a a white sort of like pattern, like the 80s, like little (laughs) spedaddles on it. And he's like leaning in a loosened tie. And I was like, that was me. Like every photo I took was like super posed. Like I'd like lean like boys to men or like just always trying to be so cool. I had a button on my hat. Like I had a hat and I put a button like Punky Brewster. I was trying to be like Punky Brewster. You okay? Just to all the listeners, see, it's not just that I'm in love with this person. How cute is it to think of like a hammy, so doughy, hammy, so sweet dope. little so boy wet, too. who's just wet? Just a wet just boy. like a hammy and clammy, hammy and clammy, baby. <laughs> just, I'm vexed and relaxed, and I was hammy and clammy. And he, his coolness icon is Punky Brewster. Well, I didn't watch Punky Brewster. Because I think at that point, gender identity was so fragile yeah. that you're just like, I got to watch boy shows. <laughs> I'm sure I wanted to watch Foggy Brewster. I also want to say that there is a photo, just to your point, there's a photo in this garbage room that like, <laughs> just anytime I can get it in, um, that has... Just like a family, it's a family photo, yeah. and Pete is giving... The smokiest look. No, I was going to say the straightest deadpan. Like, Yeah, but you know what that is? What? Yeah, you're right. I'm giving almost, I'm giving, it's, it's 0%, 0.01% no expression. Yeah. And where I got that, and this is helpful to this story, because that's about the age that I am. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm looking at him. I just, I look so from Boston, too. It's just like, that is such a Boston kid. And I'm so ruddy and just like, I always look winded, even though I'm not. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that face was rehearsed. Like, it was church... I know you know. I'm, I'm just, telling them. I'm just saying. I I do think it's funnier from my perspective that like I looked at that photo and was laughing that you like gave nothing. That yep. it, like it's the kind of nothing that does take effort. Where it's like just do your straightest 
like smallest smile, but it's like smallest expression. I'm getting the photo. Just get, just do nothing. And, and I looked at that photo for the first time and laughed that you were making no expression. And you said, I remember rehearsing that in the mirror. Yeah, it's a vivid memory. My parents had antiques in the house. <laughs> it was like an antique house, one of those antique houses. Yeah. Where, like, you couldn't, if you broke something, it was, like, a big deal. Yep. I don't mean my parents would, like, freak out. I just mean, like, it had the feeling of, like, I don't think we can put juice on this horsehair couch. <laughs> wow. We had a horsehair couch. It was real? It's made out of horsehair. Wow. So Antiques are so, like, Robin Williams has a joke where he said, had a joke where he said, um, cocaine is a message from God that you have too much money. Wow. Same joke, replaced with antiques. Yes. Antiques are such a, antiques is such a posh philosophy. It's like, not only do I want to be wealthy in my time, yeah. I want to appear wealthy in other times. I, like, know. I, want, I don't just want like <laughs> the nicest stuff we have. I want the nicest stuff King Henry V had. Like, because that dude, he mattered, and now I have it. Yes. Like, and it's then, the weirdest thing. And it breaks between your mom's generation and our generation. It it broke. <clears throat> like, I think past generations all cared about antiques. Yeah. And then your mom is always yes. in, in a, a loving act, but, like, trying to give us antiques. And we... We just like no. There we most recently I said yes because it was a clock, and I realized like this could be wrong. This isn't like my full truth. We've we've gone in the past full truth. Yeah, which is no that just doesn't fit with our. We don't care if it's old, and it doesn't look. It doesn't fit with our. It doesn't just fit with our style. It doesn't fit with our lifestyle. Meaning, like Uh everything in our house is breakable. Uh huh. uh, Meaning, nothing is precious. We don't own coasters. We don't own coasters. (laughs) We don't own coasters. That's 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 the only thing I have to say, Mom. We don't own coasters. Like we're a non-coast family. (laughs) There's no coasting. We have no respect for wood. Coast to coast, no cows. We have no respect for wood. I'm putting wet cups on wood all day. Well, we have like a, like a, it's almost like a picnic table for our dining room table, meaning. Well, it's a very expensive It's a nice one, but still. But it's like reclaimed wood. My point is a reclaimed wood table is not an antique table. An antique table is like, you got to be careful with that table. Yep. So we've said no in the past, but then my, my mom always, when she uh, gets sad, she's like, I have all of these jewels and I have all of, like, jewelry, not just, like, loose Aladdin (laughs) jewels. I have all these these rubies. (laughs) Who will take my rubies? Who will take my rubies? (laughs) Um, She has, like, jewelry that, like, doesn't make as much sense in the modern day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she has antiques. And I'm sure there are people that would love these antiques and do love these antiques. And, uh... And my mom is one of them. And so she'll be like, I want to give you a clock. And most recently I was like, okay, because I, I saw that she was just saying, do I matter? Do you love me? Yeah. Does my life matter? Yes. And of you're saying, course. so I, it, it's not a fib. I just found the place where I could appreciate the clock and I leaned into it. No, that's the right thing because she, because it is valuable to her and for us to be and because, like. Because it's valuable to her, I can find value in it. 
And just and like, her, she had a necklace I remember playing with as a kid and stuff like that. Yeah, I think she gave me that necklace. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I. It's complicated <laughs> for me. I know. I yeah, you don't let me wear it. And uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want you to wear a necklace that I remember my mom wearing. Yes, I get it. No, nope. <laughs> it would be no so weird. But wouldn't it be worse if I was like, put on the necklace? <laughs> You're not wearing my mommy's necklace. Oh, <laughs> I noticed. I noticed you're not wearing mommy's necklace. Oh, <laughs> there's a siren going off in your body. <laughs> wow, that's so funny. Ooh, woo. Um, okay, we have so many threads. We're looking at the portrait. Which well, we I'm looking at the portrait. I'm going to say we're going to Instagram this, uh, at, you know, before when we put this out. Well, we're going to put it out today, so I'll Instagram it right when we're done. Okay. But, um, yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing what I'm doing. It, um, you have a loosened tie. I'm, I keep interrupting because I Well, this so is the shirt. This is like the diamond patterned white 80s shirt. <laughs> I have my gold chain cross crucifix necklace. You can't see it, but I know that that is my gold chain, full Jesus on the cross. It was, it's very, it's like kind of like scary Catholic necklace. Yes. Like there was nothing modern or subtle about it. It was like. You know, you could see his mood. You know what I mean? Like, there's different kinds of crucifixes. And this one had enough detail that you were like, that's a bad day. That's not, that's, that's, that's a bad, there's a good Friday joke here, but I don't want to find it. Mm. Um, so anyway, I remember looking at magazines and noticing that all the models, like models, who's better than a model? Like, you want to look like a model. They're making, this is my attempt at that face. It's... <laughs> Almost nothing, mm-hmm. and then the smallest smile. I, I don't. I, so small, I don't even see it. You can't see. Nope. This side's just a little bit higher. Nope. You look. You're right. I know. <laughs> I have a memory of doing this face, and that's informing how I'm looking at it. Yeah. Because I thought, I don't know. I see it. I see that I'm barely smiling. Look away from it, and then look back at it, and, and tell me this kid's mood. Tell me his mood. Is it nothing or is he kind of smiling? <laughs> I mean, I really don't see it. I think also everyone else in the photo is smiling. Is smiling. So you and it's not maybe your lips are slightly smiling, but your eyes are so dead. I have very dead eyes. And that was on purpose. And I have a style of hair that is sort of like trimmed. It's like a long buzz cut that you don't have to comb. <laughs> And I, <laughs> oh my god! Meaning you should comb it. But no, it should comb be combed. It. it was. It's like a haircut that was cut for a specific style, where you know, like you get the haircut, and the the hairstylist is like, okay, this haircut really only works if you put the, the product, product in, in and it. do yeah. this, yeah. and you just didn't do any of that. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and it was picture day, which means I didn't not know. <laughs> I did not care. I didn't know. Like, I didn't listen yeah. when they were like, you have to use this product. Later, I'm going to put this picture away. You, otherwise, we're just going to keep talking about it. But also, no I just can see it. want to say one more thing sure, about it. Sure, and sure, I, sure. I think this speaks to, like, something very cool about your parents that they didn't give you a hard time about this. Because there are two different photos happening here. 
your mom, your dad, and your brother are all on the same page. I remember the, the photographer tried to get me to smile, and I, and I holding the face, went, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't want to... I didn't want to... trick me because <laughs> if he had been like can you try a smile and i was like you know i would that's the photo oh i love that so much uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no 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 oh my god no, no, if you're no. listening to this please go on instagram right now to look at this photo because there's so much there there's a lot there. and i really i do find it it's interesting that your dad didn't say like, yeah. Peter, loosen your tie, give him a smile. Like you know, it is it is kind of like you ruined the picture. <laughs> like they yeah. are all a well dressed, happy family, and you're like you have a, like a crazy look happening, and not just your face, but your clothes and hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the that is. Exactly what was going on. I think everything in this photo is our family. Mm. I think there's a lot going on in this photo. My my brother's not looking at the same spot we are. He's actually looking he's directly looking at in, the camera. He's you looking guys. down the barrel, as we call it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the three of us are looking at a spot off camera. Mm-hmm. I just always felt that was sort of significant. I, if my brother was here, I would say that he would agree. Yeah. But there's always sort of like a out-of-step that's funny. Minor Threat was in my dream last night, and the, their record was called Out of Step. Yeah. Um, sort of feel with my brother, especially at this age. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing, like, who knows what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> but because my parents, you interpreted it as um, they gave me, like, a long leash. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they didn't try to control me, which is true. That is part of it. Yeah. And also, I think they were just, like, when it came to, like, Becoming a comedian or wanting to do this or that or whatever. They just were so like, he'll be okay. Like, he's fine. Mm. That they were sort of doing their own thing. I don't say that like hurt. But they had their life. Whatever I wanted to do was pretty much okay. Mm. But that was never stated to me. It was... Yeah. Like, what I'm trying to say... I'm trying to not say that they didn't care. Yeah. But... In the good way, they didn't care. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, in the good way, maybe in the car, my mom was like, are you going to tighten that tie? Yeah. And then in the good way, I said no, and she said okay. Like, there is some, some like, conscious, like, let the boy be how the boy is. Especially- and then there was also, like, they had so much going on. And I would say this sure. if both of them were in the room. They had so much of their own stuff that there wasn't a lot of, like... What's what's up with Peter's face in this photo? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I see that. And it is interesting though because it that kind of caring is very much like we're going to get a family portrait. We want to appear to, to appear that we are a certain type of family. Well, this is for the Grace Chapel photo directory. It's so a big even deal. More, yeah. So like we used to flip through that. The fact that they didn't care how you appeared. It's not even it's not even like they didn't care what you did. This is the cool kind of not caring. This, this is like this what I good. would hope we would do for Lilo where we're like, she wants to wear a, a 
you know, like I almost said a basketball cap. <laughs> she wants to wear a basketball cap. Who cares? <laughs> but you know what it was is like, and and we can get off this and get back to the Bo Peep fart position. But <laughs> <Please>. like, <laughs> it was it was creativity. Mm-hmm. It was me creating, like t- we always say, taking agency. I I love that I went from Peter to Pete. That was a big moment for me. And it was around this age that I was like, I can be Pete. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I can pick the face. Yeah. And then like studying faces and like vividly remember choosing that face. And I don't have a great memory yeah. for my childhood. Yep. I really remember it. So that was, and then how funny is it that like we just shot the pilot for Smallwood, which went great. Uh, for those of you that don't, that don't know, I, I shot a pilot for CBS um, and we had to do photo shoots and stuff. So it's like, it was that. It yeah. was like, sometimes I watch other people doing their photos and I'm like, you know, the photographer is waiting for you to make, oh, I hope it didn't stop recording, another face. Yeah, I know. Well, and the fact that you didn't, when they asked you to smile, I would have totally folded under the pressure. <clears throat> To be like, oh, you want me to do That's a my thing, point. I would do it. And you just That's went, uh-uh. it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> this is too important, mm. man. I can't. But what started this was you telling the kneeling down. Oh, that's right. Thank you, yeah. baby. <clears throat> so this story is... Real I, quick. I just... I love I loved this story the first time I heard it. So at CFS, Cambridge Friends School, the, the Quaker school I went to in Cambridge, and now for the rest of my life, I still... When I meet someone from Cambridge or something, I go, I went to school in Cambridge, and kind of hope that they think I mean Harvard. <laughs> oh, I went to school in Cambridge. Except for no... Anyone who went to Harvard says, I went to Harvard. That's true, but there is a subtler move. Oh, where yeah. when people say, where did you study? You say Cambridge. Yes. I know there's Cambridge, England as well. But I mean, like, it's kind of, I, I think I've seen people do it. Well, that's where they went cool. to Har- Harvard and they're like, I went to college in Cambridge. I guess I'm just basing it on TV where they make they always make jokes that anybody who went to Harvard works it's it like into the It's like being vegan. Like, you have to yeah. work at a Harvard vegan or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, totally agree. So maybe I am basing that on the British vegan. Uh, <laughs> British Cambridge. <laughs> I will say there's a Moderna cloud in my butt. I feel fantastic, though. Yeah, it's my Bo Peep. I feel fantastic. Good. I aches, pains, and brain fog are the three symptoms of having a child. Yes. So there is absolutely no way for me to discern whether or not I'm having side effects from the Moderna vaccine. I feel exactly the same. Oh, my arms hurt. I pick up a 35 bag pound bag of flour 72 times a day and throw her around and stuff i'm always sore i'm always tired and i'm always foggy it's okay i did take alpha brain and this is no joke no shit like this is not paid Uh, i don't think liquid iv maybe they are I've been drinking so much of that liquid IV stuff. Yeah. Because you need to stay hydrated. Electrolytes are huge. Especially when you're trying to not get sick. Mm -hmm. I think that made a huge difference. Like, no, liquidiv.com slash weird, I think is what it is if you want to get some. But, like, no joke. That that stuff has carried me through this. Yep. I have a big bottle of it right here. Is it? We'll look up the promo code. I'm going to look it up. I'm not going to look it up. I'm going to tell the story. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should look it up. Just, we'll say it in the intro. Okay. Good call. Good call. Uh, okay. Tell um, the story. Okay. So, in my, at Cambridge Friends School, 
Sorry, I'm just clo- quitting word because anyway. Sorry, that was horrible. <laughs> that was all horrible. That was terrible. That whole and they probably heard your click click clicking. Oh, I'm sure they did, and I'm sure it drove some people crazy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know those podcasts, like in PR and like a lot of other podcasts that like are really edited and then they have like cool music in between. Yeah. And like they check in and stuff. This isn't one of those. <laughs> I thought, but you know, there is something similar to us. Oh, like yeah? here, which part do you want to play? Do you want to be the narrator, which might be a little bit trickier? Or do you want to be the people in the background? Because there's two levels of audio. Like, mm-hmm. the, the narrator will be narrating what you're about to hear. Yes. But in the background, you'll hear it. Yes. So do you uh-huh. want to be the I'll narrator? I'll be the background. Okay. Okay. Um, so it, it would be like this. <laughs> you just tripped. <laughs> you just tripped. Okay, ready? Ready. Valerie Cheney is surprisingly dirty for a woman who so works sorry, in beauty and healthcare. I met her on a Tuesday afternoon, and she sat down and took out a bottle of pills that she shook and let me know how they would work on me. I'm doing this. This is so funny. This is so funny. I couldn't do the narration well because I was so interested in your choices. I was laughing so hard inside. I love uh, it. Will you, will you do it and I'll be the, yeah, the, the okay. sound? Okay. I'm, I can't direct. Like, you did such a good job at directing me with no, the, no, you the don't door. Have to direct. So, you have to make the choices based yeah, yeah, on yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. <clears throat> I recently had the pleasure of uh, sitting down with Pete Holmes. He is the author of Comedy Sex God yeah, and podcast host You Made It Weird. Do you want some coffee? We had a great time with, co- with coffee. I can't. It is hard. It's hard because you want to listen. I just said we had a great time with coffee. Let's play some cards. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We- <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. That is every NPR show. It's so fun. Oh. I didn't know I've always wanted to do that, but I've always wanted to do that. That is so fun. I love that. And I, you know what? When I'm listening to that, too, like in real life, I am listening to the background. I am not listening oh, yeah. to the narrator. That's where the juice is. I want to hear it's the like, pa- candid moment. It's when I watch comedians in, in the cars getting the coffee. <laughs> I all I don't like that they edit out what they order. Of course, yes. That's what I want to see. How are they with the waitress? Sometimes they Sometimes leave it they in. They leave it in, and, and I that's love my it. favorite part. Uh-huh, I want to I see agree. how they, uh, you know, take the wrapper around the the silverware and yeah. lay their fork out. Those are the moments that I want. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, <laughs> I was telling this. Whoop. No, it's not going to work. It's like it's visual. I was just remembering a really funny part of comedians in the cars getting what the was coffee. that just the one with sarah jessica parker where um jerry i can't remember who he he's saying a bit that he does with someone else and i can't remember who it is but it's the like where you're talking and as you're talking you look at the bill and the eyes get really oh my god <laughs> i feel like that's it, one not just 99 percent, a hundred percent a joke that you and i do yes I, and did yeah. do like before we even saw that. It's where you yeah. look at the bill. You're having a casual conversation. You you said it. You nailed it. Uh, anyway, so <clears throat> I'm. They have 
in science class. And I went to a school small enough that it was just called science class, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it was like math class, English class, <laughs> science class. It was a good school, but it's very small. And they, we made um, – I wasn't in this class. But my friend Eric made a camera out of a shoebox, which oh, you can do. Yeah, cool. So you lift up the exposure, literally a flap of paper over a pinprick hole or a little bit bigger, and it lets the light in and it hits the paper. Wow. But you have to hold still, like the mm. old-timey photos, mm-hmm. for like 45 seconds. <clears throat> so he comes out to – we called it the suicide wall. I don't know what they call suicide anymore, but the game used to be called Suicide where you throw the ball, again, the tennis ball against the wall. It's like handball, mm-hmm. but with an elimination element. We called it suicide. So it was a suicide wall, and Eric came out. And it just so happened to be me, Matt, Emily, Julie, um, Meredith. It was like me and the two, three, maybe Josh, two, three coolest guys and the four coolest girls. Yeah. Matt Morano. Matt Morano. And Emily Bravo. These Bravo. are the best names. There's, you couldn't make up better names for the cool guy and the hot girl. Emily Bravo, mm-hmm. who, yes, I liked her before it was cool. That was always my thing. <laughs> I had a crush on Emily Bravo in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And then by this point, she had gone from like the shy girl that I really thought I was sort of being fringe liking her. Mm-hmm. I sort of, I, because I thought in exclusively say by the bell terms, she was sort of like Lisa Turtle. Sure. Like Julie Smith was Ke- Kelly. Uh-huh. Um, Meredith sort of looked like Jesse. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I'll, I'll go with the, the turtle. I'll be, I'll be Screech and Screech likes Lisa Turtle. Mm-hmm. And I'm Screech. I thought I was Screech. Yeah. I didn't think I was uh, Mark Paul. I didn't think I was Zach. Yeah. I was like, I'm Screech. I'm the funny kid. And Screech likes Lisa. That's what I'll do. So, uh, but by this point, she had blossomed into the Kelly of her own. Yeah. Um, and everyone liked her, and she was the coolest. So she's in this photo. Um, all the other girls are in this photo, and the cool boys are in this photo. And I am somehow, like, sneaking into this photo. <laughs> like, I think if I hadn't been there, I don't think anyone would have been like, Hey, hey, down here. Like, the cool- you also weren't in that class. But it, it, it's not the science class at this point. I wasn't like, in that class. It must uh-huh. have been an elective. Okay. But I wasn't. This was my grade. Got it. Okay. But I, I don't. I really don't think if this group was taking this photo, they would have been like, "Are you with the acid wash jeans? Get over here!" Like I don't think they would have stopped what they were doing because I'm about to ruin this photograph. <laughs> So I know I've told this story before, but Eric opens up the lens. He runs into the photo because you have that sort of time. Mm-hmm. And the pose that I picked was straight boys to men. I squatted down like a little league catcher, which I was, and basically like put my you know two pointer fingers up, hand to my face, like a cool. Like I'm thinking, like just above the upper lip, like, yeah, like two, like you're pointing, like here's the church, here's the steeple, yes, position. and you're pointing it like a gun into your nose, basically, <laughs> but you look like you're thinking, and I'm squatting, and I remember thinking like, oh, I'm wearing one of my cool outfits because I did oh. wear like cool outfits, oh. <laughs> meaning they weren't cool outfits, but, but I I was trying cool. to wear a cool outfit, yeah. No one else squats. I'm definitely like the squat, by the way, is you know, when people took group photos and they'd always be like one person would lay down yeah, in the front yes. row and everyone's holding them. Yeah. And everyone's doing like c- 
couple things like buddy things, noogies, high fives. I don't know what yeah. they're doing because I was never in that part of the photo. <laughs> it was always the guy, the one guy who didn't know what to do. That would be like, I'll kneel to the side of the action. I'll squat over here. Like that is <laughs> keep an eye on that person because that person's got an either at the very least an interesting journal <laughs> or probably some jokes. <sighs> Or some movie ideas. So anyway, I'm squatting apart from the group. Very emblematic. Emblematic, whatever. It doesn't matter. And we have to hold for... I I think it's like... I'm remembering it as three minutes, but it could have been less. Uh Let's say it was three minutes. And like a minute into it, I felt my lunch just like producing huge ocean bubbles of gas. Just like really... Coming to the tip of my tight pink anus. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm clenching. Yes. And I'm I'm afraid. And I'm like, my knee is pretty much touching the cool girls. And and Matt and Eric and Josh are all doing some cool thing together. And I'm the weird guy. I'm satelliting the photo. And I'm like, I, I can't hold this in. And like two minutes in, it it squeaked out. It was like a... It was like the tiniest, tight, involuntary fart. And of course, it's the biggest deal in the world. I remember thinking at the at the time, maybe it won't be that big of a deal. <laughs> like, is it possible? Like, is it possible that this will happen? What's, what do you say? Just like the whole picture of all of it. Like, it's so funny, slowed down and like broken up but if you just imagine all of it happening so fast like Eric being like I got this camera all the cool kids getting together Pete coming in kneeling boys to men style and then thinking immediately maybe it won't be that big of a deal maybe it won't be that big of a deal I think I was basing that on like I had heard my dad fart and nobody made a big deal. Yeah, or in there, I see this is how I knew deep down. I knew deep down. This is how farts were handled uh, sometimes in my in my middle school experience. Sometimes it, most often it was like somebody would you would hear a fart in class or something, and everybody would lose their goddamn minds. Yeah, sure. But sometimes, if you were like in a circle of like kind, bashful people. You would hear a fart and everybody would just... Would ignore it. Uh, yeah. These are my homies. These are my homies. Although I love a good... My favorite is the third option is like a celebration of a fart. Yes. Like Val never farts in front of me. But last two nights ago, you kicked the front door open and stuck your butt out, farted, and then closed the door. And I laughed so hard. That is my favorite option. <laughs> Yes, make a joke. My favorite option is like we all are trapped in these wet meat puppets. <laughs> let's let's laugh at that, that happening. I know we talk about farts a lot on this specific podcast. I don't know why, but anyway, what I so everyone scattered. Mm-hmm. So the photo was just of the field, mm-hmm. like of the wall, because yeah. even I got up, and I'm like the way that I told it is a stand up joke, which is true. Is I wish I could go back and instead of like having it be a squeaker, let the full force of the fart out, <laughs> like like pushed it out as loud and as big as I could and then held still. Yeah. Because if everyone scattered, which they would have, it would have been a photo of me 
and the ghostly projection of all the cool kids who were there. Like, translucent Eric, translucent Matt. Like, and they would have let none of the image of them leaving would be there. It would just be me and, like, the memory of my class. And you just posing so perfectly still. That is what comedy, (sighs) that's what comedy is to me. Yeah. Comedy is forged the desire to be a comedian, the desire to be any type of artist, I'm sure it applies to lots of different types, mm-hmm. is forged in some sort of wound, like a high-pitched fart. Oh, yeah. And kids making fun of you or whatever it might be. But then later, you you it's controlling how people are laughing at you. I think that's Mark Maron's quote. It's not to stop people from laughing you at you. It's to control why and how they're laughing at you. Yep. And I just... If the fart was coming, yeah. you know grown-up yeah, Pete would do that. And just, you'd own it. And yeah. that's the whole point. It's the shift. Nothing's changed. It's still theoretically embarrassing. Yeah. And you still should be ashamed and all that stuff. But, like, but you're not. Yeah. And then that becomes the joke. It's also the the Nora Ephron banana peel joke. That's That's what I feel like we've quoted it before. But I love it so much. She says... Um, if you slip on a banana peel, you get, you know, laughed at. But then if you write about the time you slipped on a banana peel, it becomes your laugh. That's right. So you are taking the comedy and you're... Yeah. It's really interesting to consider that, for me, that that day wasn't funny to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I probably got picked up from school... And was like bummed out. Aww. Which is okay. Yeah. I I mean, I mean later it, is. it became a great story that you've told on stage to hundreds of people. And then I've told on this podcast at least three times. Also, um, I do I can't remember like what did actually happen. Did they it was did the photograph indicate anybody's oh, that, reaction? No, and that that was the punchline is I would still have that photo framed on my desk. Like <laughs> right. a photo of me and, and seven ghosts. Um did they the make- photo was absolutely ruined because everybody stood up and ran away. Oh, including you. Including me. Right. So it was just done. I, I wish he had developed it. It would have told quite a tale. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that story. I wish I mean I love the re rewrite of that story. Yeah. I appreciate it. It really does just like t- it captures the feeling of being a kid where you're like farting is the end of the world. Well, that's why I think it's so sweet when Leela farts oh, and yeah. she doesn't mind or she thinks it's funny. Uh-huh. She gives no thought to it and it does sort of break my heart to think like she's going to learn yeah. That, like, if you fart, people will laugh at you. Yeah. And, like, but we could, like, that's sort of, like, a weird choice that we've made as a society. Uh-huh. I believe it is a, a choice to a certain extent. Yeah. That we're, like, that is, that's a behavior we'll shame. I know. And to me, it, you know, we've talked, and now we're getting real serious about farts, but, <laughs> you know, we, we like, ta- we called Moshe on this podcast and asked if they farted in front of each other, and he said, absolutely not. And, like, I, I get the sense that a lot, almost I think all it's of nine us, out of ten is like, no. No. And I totally understand the argument for that. But, and like, like you mentioned, I, I rarely do in front of you, but. If, unless I can, like, make it a good joke. Yeah. But, like, to me, it always represented a type of intimacy that I 
really longed for. Well, that's why Moshe shocked me because Moshe's style as a friend mm-hmm. is like, what do you feel like a weird shame about? Like, yeah. I remember I was like, after my divorce, I, I, I don't know. I was watching porn that I had never watched before. I'm not, it wasn't that weird. It was like lesbians spanking each other or something like that. Yeah. It's pretty mild. I, I, I still feel a little embarrassed no, to admit that. Yeah. But for some reason, I was just like, yeah, that seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I was like, oh, thank God for Moshe. He's that friend that you can be like, I'm watching lesbian spanking porn. And he's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> he just yeah. like would would yes and you, or yeah. or at least at the very least be a safe space. So I was like, that is fart energy. That's like, yeah. I farted, you fart. Like it's like the question of what we do with farts <laughs> is the question of what do we do with involuntary shame. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why holding it in. I understand. Maybe it does keep you sexier to your partner. Maybe I don't know that it doesn't degrade it for me and you right for, for me for you yeah and i'm also like i mean when you're doing stand-up like it's a very standard line that i've seen a lot of people use where you point at someone in the crowd folding their arms and you're like don't fold your arms otherwise you'll fart you're gonna laugh and you're gonna fart right uh. and to me that's comedy is all about letting it out like let the laughs out let the secrets out let the shame out let it let everything out yeah and if you want to make fun of somebody you say he's walking like he's holding in a fart you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he looks uptight he looks stiff yeah. and i'm not saying we have to be like flatulating wait I, I always say it wrong yeah flat flatulating flatulating yeah Flat- flatulating. flatulating flatulating clouds of nastiness i'm not yeah. saying farts are always great and always appropriate yes but there is something about I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it about being like a flowing person (laughs) that's not embarrassed of your functions. Yeah. Again, it sounds like I fart all. all, I don't fart in public. I don't fart on airplanes. I don't like when people fart on airplanes. I don't (laughs) like I'm I'm against that because that's like farting on airplanes because that's and I don't I wouldn't. I even smoke a cigar. I don't really smoke cigars, but I wouldn't even smoke a cigar if there was anyone near me yeah. that could possibly smell it that wouldn't like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm smell sensitive. Yeah, and you, <laughs> and you do try to control it even around me. You're you're not letting everyone that comes to you out. Yeah. But I associate it with uh, this is truly what I associate farts with being in. A hotel room with my parents where, like, my as a kid, where my brother and I are in one bed, my parents are in the other bed, and it's completely dark, and someone farts, and the whole family just starts laughing. That's right. And doing it, like, my brother and I would, like, the kicking the door open and putting my butt out the door, I had never done that one specifically before, but we would, it would be like, you feel a fart coming quick, how can I make this a joke? Yep. I, we would do like knock knock. Who's there? Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Like it's just like I'm pretty sure my dad did all that sort of stuff. My yeah. dad, my dad, and I mean this as a compliment, is the embodiment of a released fart. Like, yeah, of, yes. of a man not holding in a fart. <laughs> yes, the great, is. the perfect example of this was this was me and my ex-wife. I've probably told this story before. We're in Italy. Mm-hmm. We took this weird cruise that would pull into certain ports in Italy. 
And um, I don't remember where we were. It might have been Mount Vesuvius or something. There was a volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were going to go to the volcano, but we stopped in this little villa. And the the tour, bi- tour guide said, essentially... Um, sorry, I just want to make sure this is still... I think it, w- it is. It did before. It did before, but, it, but yeah. I want to be able to see it. I need to see the recording happening. <laughs> um, they came to the group and were like, okay, <clears throat> this is what they said. 15 minutes here, then everybody back to the bus and we'll go to the volcano. Yeah. What we heard for some reason, probably because my parents are like ducks... And they're all over the place. And I remember my ex-wife and I were both very stressed out at having to wrangle them in this weird villa. They're trying to buy stuff. They're trying to eat stuff. Yeah. We were hungry, too. That's always bad. for the. We're like gremlins, except you do have to feed us after midnight. <laughs> so they're all over the place. And we just misheard. So we just went and had lunch. We went and had like a leisurely lunch. Mm-hmm. And then we get back to the bus and everyone's waiting. Yeah. They've been waiting for 30 minutes past the 15 minutes. So they've been waiting probably... Maybe 45 minutes passed. So that the volcano is just out. There's all these old people on the bus. That Nobody can go. They, there's not time to go the see volcano the volcano. The volcano is cut. Yeah. Because that's what got cut because we had lunch. Yes. And I get on the bus. I probably told this it's, story too. It's truly a nightmare scenario for me. Uh, it's your worst. Yeah, it's my worst. My, like just a bus full of strangers that you that let they hate down. Us. They hate and us. And you are pissed at. Yeah. And you really at. could feel it. Again, I, you know, I you see the faces and you create the feeling. I don't know if they're giving you the feeling, but I had the feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed and I'm going like, sorry, sorry, everybody. And I'm sitting down and my dad just goes, lighten up. People make mistakes. <laughs> like, And, you know, at the time I was mortified and embarrassed yeah. that he was not penitent yeah that he was not begging for forgiveness yeah but he but what he was basically saying in that moment was people fart i'm sorry we were in an elevator but people (laughs) fart like people do mishear tour guides yeah people do misunderstand and sit down for lunch because they were very hungry and then you know what dude i remember almost nothing from that trip I don't remember volcanoes. Mm-hmm. I don't remember sites. I don't remember ruins. Yeah. I remember my dad choosing to not be a victim yeah. of all of that vitriol. Yeah. And I understand he knows he made a mistake. We all wish we hadn't made the mistake. Yeah. But he denied it access. Yeah. He was like, no, people make mistakes. And if you wanted to take it even further, if I could go back in time, I'd be like, None of you are going to remember seeing that volcano or not seeing that volcano. Yeah. You think you're going to go there and take some photograph that's going to change your life. But all that matters is how you handle um, suffering. Yeah. And right now you're suffering. Yeah. And you're letting it be... This is very pretentious to say to somebody. I'd say it to myself. Mm -hmm. All you remember is how you process interpret and deal with your own internal state yeah it's not the volcano it's like i say many times the people that are mad that the flight to hawaii is delayed it's like you're already you're already miserable the beach won't save you yep yeah and the volcano wasn't going to make you happy yeah what if the woman was like hey we can go we can go to the volcano yeah we just found out there's a weird solar thing happening the sun's going to be out for four extra hours do you think that I'll be happy? No, fuck you. Yeah. You're going to get to that volcano. You're going to, and then you're going to realize you're the same miserable piece of shit that you were <laughs> mad at my dad. 
Yeah. I'm saying that because so many of us can feel like miserable pieces of shit, especially if you have no ability to flow and and be surrender yeah. and be flexible. Yeah. I was just watching Oprah interview Thich Nhat Hanh and he was like, I always try to dwell and in, in, in joyfully in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what about when you're late for a flight? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just try to surrender to that moment. Yeah. And I was like, I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. And yeah. that's a guy who doesn't need a flight to Maui. He goes... Here I am. You know what I always say to myself? I go, I'm sitting in a chair. Yes. Like, what is so wrong? I'm sitting in a chair. And everyone in that story was sitting in a chair. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is like a, uh, you know, as much as that story is my nightmare, um, I do actually have a protective element that will go... I I would have I would have apologized a few sleep and like and then sat down and in my mind been like like kind of like you guys you guys need to lighten up this is not a big deal or whatever right. but like I'm thinking of a time where I made a, a mistake on driving on the road and didn't look so there was somebody waiting to make a left turn uh, at a green light in an intersection. And I stopped for a second behind them and then realized what was going on and went to go around them. Mm. And I didn't look in the, my rear view mirror. So mm. it's totally my mistake. To but your like right. the Yeah, to my right. So a, the, I cut off this guy who was already going to be going around both of us because I didn't look and I just went around. Totally my mistake. We slammed on the brakes. And it was really scary. You know, of course, you're like heightened adrenaline. And I, and I like waved and was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then went around and stopped at an intersection and he pulled up next to me and I was just like, I'm not going to look at him. I'm not. And then I was like, well, I really was in the wrong. I should apologize. And, I, and so I rolled down my window cause he rolled down his and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? You didn't even look. Well, and I went, I know I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he was, and then he just kept going and was like, you could have fucking killed me. What are you doing? And I, and then I just went, all right. (laughs) (laughs) That is everything. All right. That is the voice of the Buddha. All right. All right. I said I made a mistake. I truly am sorry. I said what sorry to you want? three times. This is over. Like that's what I wish I had said. To- I was pretty proud of how I reacted. Of course, I cried about it immediately after. But like in that moment, I was proud that I had a protective. Yes. Mechanism. All right. But what I wanted, to- and I did roll up my window. Like he had his and was still yelling at me, and I said, "All right." And then I rolled up my Good window. Good for you. I didn't look at him again. But I, I wish I had said, like, uh, you know, it would have been cool also to have been like, this isn't going to get you whatever it is you're looking for. Yeah. Like, this is over. This interaction is over. Yeah. And like, so let it go. That's right. <laughs> but that is lighten up. People make mistakes. Like. Yeah. I think, especially modeling for kids, how you deal with mistakes. 
Mistakes is uncertainty, and mistakes are is like surrendering to the fact that you don't have control over reality. Yeah. And none of us have control over reality. Mm-hmm. And the concept of God's will, God's will just being reality. Yeah. I've just been, I know I've already talked about this, but just getting so much juice out of it's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And surrendering to what's happening and being like, you don't have to believe in what's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Right. <laughs> and that's, that is what makes it worthy of your um, prostration. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it worthy of your allegiance. And your attention. And your attention. And you can just go, something is happening mm-hmm. that's very big. And I know we always talk about the, the feeling of separateness. We, I, I was certainly raised in the feeling that I was dropped into this like sort of level of a video game. Mm-hmm. But just like a video game... You are, you exist only within the game. Mario only exists in the game. Yeah. And Mario is the game. Mm -hmm. And Mario influences and is influenced by everything else in the game. Yeah. So even as I say this to you, the butterfly effect extends way beyond me stepping on a butterfly in prehistoric times. The butterfly effect is the fact that everything is interconnected. Mm -hmm. Even down to our attitudes and our thoughts, because our thoughts become actions, our attitudes become thoughts, our thoughts become actions, and everything. Yeah. Everybody knows. This is pretty basic lava lamp philosophy. (laughs) To be like, if you smile at somebody, that might change the way they behave. And maybe there's a robbery later that day, and and because someone smiled at them earlier, they're calmer, and and everything goes okay, and and the guy's caught, or whatever it might be. Yeah. But, um... So when you realize that you are what's happening mm-hmm. and something is happening that's bigger than you, yeah. there's a lot of peace and comfort in, in surrendering to reality. Right. Because really... And that includes going, oh, somebody, I don't get to see that volcano. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. That never happened then. Like, there, yeah, the story you you're about? telling yourself is... There's a reality where that happened, and that me is much happier than this me now. That's exactly like, right. Well, that it never happened because it isn't what's happening. That's why <laughs> when the quote we say all the time, you, you don't remember what people said or did. You remember how people made you feel. Yeah. And I would say you won't remember how what you said or did. You'll remember how you felt. Yeah. So in a situation, I'm remembering we were wrapping the second season or maybe the third season of Crashing... And I had a ticket to go see Ramdas, mm-hmm. and I was going to sit with Ramdas. This is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And I get to the airport. Do you remember this? Uh, I yeah, it's sounding vaguely familiar. I got to the airport, and they just didn't have my ticket. Right. And yes. I and I, and there there were all these things, and it was like, at the best, this is going to cut like a day and a half out of my trip, and That's it's only right. a four day trip or was whatever this it was. The first time or the second time. I don't remember. I think it's the second time because it's foggy in my memory and I was... Pregnant? Yeah, eight months, nine months pregnant. Yeah. Eight months pregnant. You were very pregnant. Yeah, keep going. I just remember... I'm not saying I passed this little test with flying colors, but I it's, it is one of those fuck it, say, love moments mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. was going to see the guy who is known for be here now, who is known for like, it's not about 
what I was going to say about the volcano is I've had a, a privileged life where I've done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I've done. I've been behind a lot of velvet ropes. Mm-hmm. Guess what's there? Fucking you, Dylan. Yeah. You, Steve. You, Andrea. It's you. Yeah. It's you and your feeling. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't get your breath taken away by some fancy party briefly mm-hmm. or some gift bag from some red carpet event briefly. Yeah. Like a moment of exhilaration from, oh my God, they gave us flip cameras? Like, okay. And then guess what? Nothing. It doesn't matter. It's all going away. Yeah. So because of that, I'm in a a privileged position to know that the volcano isn't the answer. Mm -hmm. That what you really want is a vacation from how you fucking feel all the time. Yes. And the only flights that go to that place are flown by you. (laughs) Yeah. And the only time... (laughs) That they take off is right now. Right now. That's right. I just So in that moment, I just remember being like, oh, it, I still had the pain of, of like, I'm going to miss my trip with Ramdas. I still had that panic because there was something to do. Mm-hmm. I'm much better at things where it's like, you can't do it. Yeah. You can't fix it. It's over. Right. This was like, okay, we can make this phone call. I got that. So I still had that going on. But I remember in the moment going... My homeboy Ramdas teaches me that suffering is grist for the mill. That this experience that I would never have asked for, where I think this great trip is going away, is what's happening. Yep. And it helped me surrender to it, which of course made the suffering much less. Absolutely. I just thought, going back to that tour bus, if somebody, some ambassador of joy, to use your phrase... Mm. While they were waiting for you, once they got the news that they wouldn't be able to go to the volcano because they had been waiting for an hour for you guys who were lunching, if somebody stood up and said, look, I know that we're all super disappointed and upset and we have every right to be, but we we can either be angry the whole drive home and when these people come on, we can give them glares and, and make them feel bad or what if we just all pretended like we were asleep when they came on? <laughs> or like they come on and we applaud. Or we all was, hide yeah. under our seats. And yell surprise. And, and then, that and, is a definition of what grace is. And this is why we love stories like that. Yeah. So we are the dum-dums. Mm-hmm. The disjointed family. The mm-hmm. weird woman married to the man that she didn't really love. The weird parents, the weird boy who didn't know his identity. All of that is is mm-hmm. carried around with us. Mm-hmm. And then we eat like a big heavy lunch, even though we were going to probably eat volcano side at the other place. <laughs> and we get on and instead of the, the rod, yeah. we get applause. Yes. Because... And and I forget the word. It's something like anakanutatusis. It mm-hmm. Rob Bell loves it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's the word for redemptive storytelling, mm. where the thing that is the worst thing, the crucifixion of Christ, is a great example. Obviously, what we're talking about is another example. But like, it's it's the banana peel thing. Mm-hmm. But he would call that the redemptive arc of the universe. Mm. Is that like crashing? Is another example. It's my wife leaves me. When that first happened, I was like, I'm never going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to tell anybody about it. Then, you know, several years later, it became the point of the show. Yeah. And there's this, there's, one of the reasons we love stories is it helps us, you know, we live life forwards, but we understand it backwards, as Kierkegaard mm-hmm. said. That is, that is a powerful thing, is to reclaim a story 
the worst thing that happened. Yeah. Especially if it's something... It's easier to do, let's say, when it's, I was late to a tour bus. Absolutely. It's easier to do when it's like, I farted in front of a camera. Sure, but it's all examples of how you can do it on something bigger. And that is the last, according to a, a, a book that I love, for those of you who are interested in trauma healing, is called The Post-Traumatic Handbook Guidebook. The Post-Traumatic Guidebook by Arielle Schwartz. And that's the last, she, she takes trauma healing, um, like using the hero's journey metaphor Mm -hmm. and the very last stage is claiming your story. So like, that's right. It's such an important thing. And obviously it's some, some stories are going to require a way more healing process than others. But definitely in that moment, if you guys had gone onto that bus expecting everybody to be mad and they were all pretending to be asleep or they jumped out and said surprise and everybody exploded in like a relief laughter, yeah, that would be a story for the rest of everyone's, everyone's lives. lives. What they have is file not found. Yeah. Everybody on that bus deleted that day. Yeah. Unless they wanted to hold on to an example of the time that some, some idiots. Un- inconsiderate. Yeah. And you know what I love? This is going to sound self-serving, but there's there's a deeper meaning, I think. Some of the people, some of the younger people on that bus might have grown up and become comedy fans and become a fan of mine. This is why it might sound self-serving. But what I'm saying is then the story would have had this other element. Sure. Like, for me, it would have been like, that kid was Adam Sandler. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, my God, I love Adam Sandler. Yeah. Right? What I'm saying is, there's a there's a line in the Tao where it says, the master loves everyone as like their own children. Mm. And I think that's really powerful, obviously, because it's like if someone's being annoying or wronging you, mm-hmm. you're still going like, but it's Leela. Yes. Like, I don't care. Right. Like, that trumps everything. Yeah. So that's, like, a really powerful love. So the reason I'm introducing fandom is, like, that's a perspective shift. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. You just now love the person for mm-hmm. some reason. It's the movie Crash. I hate that racist cop, yeah. but then he saves my life. Yep. But this, the spiritual lesson is, like, we're to love each other as if they saved your life. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, it's very difficult to do. Yeah. And another line in the Tao that I'm just, I really have been going over and over in my head is it says, the master sees their enemy as the shadow their own body casts. Mm-hmm. Meaning, it's your attitudes, mm-hmm. your interpretations of how reality should be going, mm-hmm. your expectations, your preferences, your desires, mm-hmm. create a shadow, create the enemy, yeah. the person who is making things, not making the day longer, making the job harder, making this, making your less pleasant lunch, whatever it might be. Yes. What is creating the the identity enemy? It's it's you. You yeah. your thoughts on how things should be going yes. is what creates the enemy. So it's your shadow. Right. So it's like great to go like, yes, this is this is a shadow, mm-hmm. but you can drop this the story enemy because you start to see the oneness. You start to see like they're created by me. Yes. Like it says in Be Here Now. Cops create hippies, hippies create cops. Mm-hmm. It's like 
forward creates backwards, light creates dark. It's like we're all in the same soup together. Yeah. And that was at a time when hippies were getting their heads cracked from time to time by cops. So that was a very powerful image. Yeah, that makes me think of this morning, one of my morning readings was um, Mindful of Race which is by Ruth King, which is fantastic. I highly recommend that book as well. But she was, it was a chapter on Meta, on loving kindness. Um, and she recommended, you know, the, the question that you get for loving kindness, which is for people who don't know, a meditation where you say a series of phrases, for usually first for yourself and then for somebody that you love, a friend, a neutral person, and then a challenging person, and then everyone. And the phrases are any variation of like, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, um, may you be free. Uh, And the first question that always comes, usually if you're teaching this, is how do I do this for Trump (laughs) or for some really challenging person? And I had never heard this answer, but she recommended um visualize like by the way you you do this practice for yourself and for other people a lot you don't just jump to the most challenging person it takes practice um but she recommend recommended like just visualizing them as a child or as a newborn baby like helpless and innocent and you sit by their side Mm. and and then also feeling your own desire being really so familiar with your own desire to be safe and happy and loved and seen and recognizing that she says everyone without exception wants the exact same thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's just so perfect. That's like, of course, imagining someone as a child or, you know, I'm just, it made me think of it because you were like, if, if they were a fan of me, then all of a sudden there's this different story. And it's like, well, if you can even get in touch with the part of any person where you're like, this person truly uh, to their core exactly just my point. wants love. That's exactly my point. Yeah. If, if me and someone on that bus had had a meaningful lunch, suddenly I have an ally, yeah. but we don't have time for 300,000 meaningful lunches. Yeah. So just go ahead and produce the love anyway on faith. Yes. And- that like, if I had a meaningful lunch with you, I would be more forgiving to you. But like, is your imagination so dull that you can't go? That's why it's so helpful to go. That's my brother. That's my father. That's yes. my mother. Yes. My mother, my father, my my sister were late to the bus. Instead of going, these fucking assholes. Well, guess what? If I gave you a kidney, yeah. Do you care now? Yeah. Like so, go with the metaphysical kidney. Yeah. Everyone's carrying a burden, Trump included. Everyone wants love and and shelter and safety and. Mm-hmm. And to be seen and understood. And we have all these skewing ways of getting it, meaning mm-hmm. it's they're broken apart and we stop understanding one another. Mm-hmm. And some people might be like, you got to kick them in the teeth and grab it. And if they if they let you take it, they're stupid. <laughs> and yes. we go, well, that that's fucked up. Yeah. But they, that was their path to try and get... It's the same thing with sex. When you see a grown man in my neighborhood wearing very, very tight black jeans and keds and a a flannel with snaps and Buddy Holly glasses, basically Moshe. (laughs) When you see... (laughs) When you see that, it's not that he doesn't want sex as much as the guy with wraparound Oakley is on a backwards-fitted baseball cap 
and you know a t-shirt that says my cold dead hands and cargo pants and and drives a silverado or whatever yeah both of those guys want partners yeah and both of them are choosing to lean different ways just like trees growing different ways to get the sunlight of their choosing whether it was a, a romantic partner or belong like i always say if you and i were in uh West Texas, I'd be wearing different clothes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just would happen. Yeah. And that's because I'm not attached to this. This is a joke. Yeah. What I'm wearing. An American Apparel V-neck and... Well, these are the perfect gene. You should get those at the perfect gene <laughs> dot NYC <laughs> promo code weird. But, but what I'm saying is this isn't real. Yeah. This is the... Pro- that That's good evidence. Yes. Look at how your hairstyle and, and your clothes are the products of your environment. So as it with your emotions and your thoughts and your preferences, like you are the product of a system. Yes. That's your interconnectivity. This is also in what I read in Mindfulness of Race today. This is, it's like insanely interconnected and there is a great word for it in Buddhism and I can't think of it. It's not Panchakarma because that's Ayurveda, but it's something like that where it, the example she gives is, it, the the definition of it is instead of plain clear seeing you have the web of your conditioning your past experiences the mood you're in all of that covering what is actually clearly present with you in that moment and the example she gives one of them is a naked mannequin that you put clothes on and you like move into yeah. a, a different expression yeah. or she says the cotton candy, you know, like paper cone that you then use the, like you, you know, you put in the crazy cotton candy swirler and you get this whole web of stuff around it. That's hiding right. What's actually there. That's right. It's so, this is it's why I think everything. we love shows about time travel or other cultures or other places. Cause you like, and just actors in general, mm-hmm. I've often said, it's like, look what I could be pretending to be. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like if, if you and I were in the fifties, mannequins would look different. Yeah. I don't just mean their clothes. I mean, the poses that they're making. Absolutely. Like yeah. then if you were in the nineties, you'd be seeing like new kids on the block, kind of like, <laughs> what, what kind of poses and, and stuff. I'm remembering a specific mannequin at the Burlington mall. <laughs> It was doing kind of like a hip hoppy thing that now, if we saw it, would laugh. Yeah. Not that that's like a, a joke move, but it was just so '90s to be like in in a, a suburban mall to be like, "Hey, come in here for cool clothes, kids." Yeah. Um, but that's just because we're laughing. It's the same thing that happens on mushrooms. Is it's the feeling of coming home and realizing that none of that was who you were. Yeah. This can happen. It doesn't always happen this way. Uh, and you realize that there's a, a, a deeper level to the game and everything. That's why I say it with love. It's a joke. Yeah. But I'm ready to ready to drop it. It's, it's I, I've made that point too many times. Political parties do it. You just kind of can fall in line. Yeah. Many times I've thought that it would make so much sense that um, conservatives would be pro-choice mm-hmm. because they wouldn't want the government telling them what to do with their bodies. Yeah. That is the most conservative thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah. It's the most conservative, smaller government. Yeah. That's why we get out of my business, government. Yeah. You should be pro-life. Yeah. But for some reason, I mean pro-choice. pro-choice, but for some reason you're pro-life. And you just see what happens yeah. when group identity is in play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I also feel like there's you know, we mean this on 
like you you can mean it on like a very esoteric like we're all under all of these stories and conditionings and clothing and choices we're just the same thing we're pure awareness but even you don't even have to take it there it can go it can just go as deep as underneath all of this conditioning and beliefs and values that we inherited and past experiences that we just tell ourselves over and over again we're all wounded children we're all scared adults. We're all, you know, human we all carry beings. an unseen burden. We're fragile egos. Like we, you don't have to go so deeply to just the point of pure awareness to find how we're all connected. We're the same. Humans are way more the same than they are different. That's right. And and like you only just have to go a couple levels under the surface to see that we are all motivated by the same things which is my needs are important, I am loved, I am seen. Like those things that were either addressed or not when we were children. And then every all of the ugliness that comes from that is a perversion or a reaction of those things not being met. That's it's, right. It's, it's good news. Yeah. Because it, it's not as, I mean, it can be very scary. We can do really scary things. Uh, but it's not as complicated to unravel I, as you as you would think. I'm glad you said that. It reminded me that I, I have some people that I know that I I'm not sure, but they might be leaning a little bit Q, a little bit Q and on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I had this epiphany where I was like, of course, it's just like me. Mm-hmm. Meaning, my quickest route to being special is performance. Yeah. Right. I'll write something. I'll perform something. I'll be funny. Yeah. I want to be special. I want to be recognized as special. The quickest fucking way to appear special, and I'm not putting it down. I'm saying it's the same. Mm -hmm. I'm giving it respect. Is saying, I don't believe in vaccines. Right. Or on your Tinder profile or whatever it is. I I don't wear a mask. Yeah. Fuck that. I don't wear a mask. Yeah. You are instantly special. I am not belittling that. Mm -hmm. It's the same sort of realization when you're like, if I had grown up in South Central, I would have become a drug dealer. Mm. It's the, mm-hmm. That's that's what maybe I'm, I can't say for sure. Well, I'm saying there's a certain achieverness that I would have been like, well, what is the path being offered to me? It wouldn't have been fifty dollar headshots and going out to auditions necessarily. It might have been. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that everybody in South Central. You, I, I'm trying to be careful here. Yeah. I'm trying to pick let's, a neighborhood where there's a lot of drug activity. Let's just say. Yeah. So we don't generalize South Central. I'm saying if I had grown up in a neighborhood in a time when that was the thing. In fact, to take make it even different, we could say Miami in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We could I would have been the weird coked up guy in the pink jacket. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh-huh. This is a way of exercising compassion. Is that's me in a different life. That's and and not even just a vague me. That's my kind of brain in that kind of life yeah. because I'm an achiever and I have that like entrepreneurial kind of bug and if that was the market yeah. I grew up in a market where it was always important to be funny and always valued and and cool and in- interesting to be funny. Mm-hmm. So I picked up on that and went with it. Mm-hmm. But there could be an alternate universe where like, comedy is the illegal drug. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if Philip K. Dick were still around, I'm sure he could work on that. Yeah. Well, we're in this one where, where drugs are the bad thing. Mm-hmm. It, we always say it's like ancient Greece would all be bi, would all have... Lots of orgies and stuff like because that would have been the cultural norm. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting to surrender and to admit 
how much of this is just cotton candy. And that's why the interest going back to the cone. You want to, you want to find out what the cone is. Yeah. Otherwise, I could knock you out like Steve Rogers, Captain America, and wake you up in another time. And guess what? We all eat brunch now. Yeah. And you'd just be like, okay. Yeah. Because that's not even fucking you. You'd drop it like that if everybody was wearing, um, what are those called? Those French hats. Uh, beret. Berets. Yeah. If you got frozen and woke up and everyone's wearing berets, how long before you wear a beret? Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> I, can re- I can think of several fashions. That's, that's a perfect example because I remember saying, I don't care who wears them. I will never in a million years wear Ugg boots. Like, no way. Yeah. And then probably two months later, I had Ugg boots. Me too. I remember saying, teasing I, 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 my mom. Me too. I didn't have Ugg boots, but <laughs> yeah. me too. Like, I'm the that fashions. way. Yeah. The, another one was high-rise jeans. Like, high-rise, wide-legged jeans. Remember when those were the ugliest thing? That, that was mom jeans. That was mom jeans. And yeah. now mom jeans are 100% back. And my mom lets me know about it. Because I told her they were never coming back. Mine would be uh, just... I, I was always like... Oh, if I ever, if my number ever comes in, I won't be like an L.A. douche and drive an Audi. And now I have an Audi. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to get an Audi. I remember feeling like I drove Volkswagens my whole life. Mm-hmm. And then you start making a certain amount of money and you're like, I guess I get an Audi? Because <laughs> it's the same thing, basically. Yeah, just a little But it's nice the status thing. symbol. Yeah. Fucking, bo- I'm, I'm just conceding. Are you going to read something? I'm going to go pee real yeah, quick. Yeah, I have to pee so bad, Oh, let's too. pause. Let's pause. The, okay. We're going to pee... But to you, we'll Keep be us. right back. Yeah. You won't even notice. We're living a different reality. <laughs> see? Um, I feel see. bad. We, I asked for... We're back. <laughs> we're back. I asked for questions on my on my gram. We, I mean, we can we can answer. Well, I, I have another... I'm, guess, I'm guesting on another pod at noon. Okay. Let's do well, one. We'll do one. Well, you look for that because I have a reading. And I, and I do feel like, you know... It's it. This wasn't the vibe that I was coming into the doing this podcast with because I was reading the news right before this. Um, so, like both of the readings that I have chosen for this podcast now um, don't seem as appropriate uh, because we've talked about farts for so long. Oh my God. <laughs> but I do want to say, without getting into it and changing the vibe of the whole thing. Um, obviously it has been a very tragic, very violent week, um, in the United States and actually a very tragic and violent month. Um, we're in like another, yet again, another mass shooting phase where it's just like one after another. Um, and so I just wanted to read this quote, this part of, um, Anne Lamott's most recent book, Dusk Night Dawn on Revival and Courage. If you haven't read this, um, just stop listening to this podcast right now and buy it (laughs) and go read it because it's exactly the book for this time. Um, To me, Anne Lamott is the best at being completely honest about how bad things are and telling you um, exactly why we can still hope. Um, so I'm just going to read this little one thing, then we'll answer some questions and then I'll read a poem. Does that sound good? Great. Okay. We excel during tragedies, bringing our best selves to serve the suffering in a devastated world. 
nation, community, family. Family. (laughs) And that's Brody breathing in the background, not me. (laughs) We keep each other company when children or pets are missing, when our last auntie or old dog dies while waiting for prognosis. Our human response to each other's hurt and loss is what gives me hope. Along with science and modern medicine, we rise to help the best we can, and we summon humor to amend ghastly behavior and dismal ongoing reality. Help and humor save us. Goodness and courage are how the divine presents itself so often, whether in drag, as close friends, or as EMTs. They do what Kafka said a book must do, bring an axe to the frozen sea within, or tools to carve an ice fishing hole. Mm. I know, isn't she the best? Beautiful. I love that. Uh, Well, we don't have much time. Sorry this came out late again. Somebody, Justin Hill said, my will versus thy will. Are they the same? How do you know with confidence? Well, if it's happening, it's thy will. (laughs) (laughs) I think he means God's will. Yeah, and, uh, oh, does he mean just like the semantics of it? This is what he says. My will versus thy will. Mm. Are they the same? How do you know with confidence? If it's my will, my will is... Um, I'd like this CBS show to get picked up. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. thy will is whatever happens. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, and that's why the, the mantra for me, thy will be done is, is a, a scary one. It's not, yeah. it's not always pleasing to your ego. You really have to push through it. If you're going to sit down and repeat to yourself for 20 minutes or more, thy will be done around minute seven, mm-hmm. I get serious pushback going mm-hmm. like, no. Mm-hmm. We change the world, and and by the way, your efforts to change the world, if you do them, are also part of thy will. It, the uh, the way I'm reading that question is like, how do you know if it's like the bird talker lyric? Yeah, is it your own voice disguised as something? Yeah, else? but okay, that's great. So pretending like I know God's will is insane. I only know God's will after the fact. Sure. My surrender happens after or during it happening. But me right. being like, it's God's will that I there you go. take over this land. Yeah. That, that I have no idea. Yeah. So the prayer that Richard Rohr taught me is desire in me, through me, and as me. So mm. you pray to have your own desire transformed mm. by the divinity inside of you. Mm-hmm. And as we say on this podcast all the time, if it doesn't make sense, that's probably a really good sign. If it makes sense, it's probably something from your ego. It's like, well, I'll do that. They'll be my ally and then I'll make money. Uh But if you're like, I do with Brody all the time. I'm eating something I love. He's begging. I'll give it to him because Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I really want it. Mm -hmm. And I don't even really like Brody in this moment because he's begging. Mm -hmm. I'll do it because it doesn't make sense. So you want to be possessed by the actually your true self. So it's not an external possession. You want an internal repossession. Love it. Um, this person's question was great. It's Jack R. Blatty. He just talks about going, he's a student at UT Austin and he was at a social event, uh, post COVID and he had a lot of anxiety and it ended up going to the bathroom and just leaving. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, um, I guess my question is, do you have any advice for post COVID social anxiety? 
And what do you do when you're the new person in a social atmosphere like that? I guess everybody else knew each other. Oh, yeah. That's so tough. I just want to say I am one of the weird people that like, I like masks um, (laughs) because I like that people can't see my face. I like privacy. Mm. That's not to say I don't always, like, there's certain, I'm glad I'm not wearing a mask right now Mm because I feel safe and I'm with you. But when I was on set and I was wearing a mask and I'm talking to someone I don't know, there are moments where I'm like, I really love that I don't really have to worry about what I'm doing with my face right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to indicate with my mouth or my cheeks that I'm listening or I like you. And it's like a break for me. Yeah. <laughs> you just do it with your eyes. It's easier. Yep. Um, I also just want to, I don't have a solution necessarily. I just want to relate. As I've said many times on the podcast, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld said to Gary Shandling, the day you're comfortable at a party is the day you're not funny. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain allowance for how you are. Yeah, I, I love Kumail and Emily's podcast, The Indoor Kids. I love that it was called The Indoor Kids because mm-hmm. there was a real love. And when I realized I, I'm an indoor kid, I don't yeah. want to play flag football. Yeah. I don't want to um, go to parties. Yeah. I want to play Sega Genesis with two or three friends in my basement. Yep. And that was really good. So like green lighting what you really want. Yeah. If what you really want is to be comfortable at a party with 15 people that you don't know, mm-hmm. which by the way, one of the main reasons I wanted to become famous was because I could just be Pete Holmes at yeah. that party. Yeah. I could be like, well, some of you will know who I am. Yeah. If you know who I am, you're probably into the same kind of things I am. So now we can talk. I'll yeah. find the one or two of you out of the 15 that might know who I am. I, I know that's kind of bald. We're not really supposed to talk that way about fame. But that was one of the things. Right. I go to Disney World. I'm like, I'm, I might run into a Disneyland employee that knows comedy and we can talk. Yeah. Not, not stroke my ego, but just talk. Not to mention that I think so many comedians uh, are... They become comedians whether they know it or not because the only way they feel safe in a social situation is if they are controlling the room. That's it. And Val and I, this past month, have just been trying to own what it is you really want. Mm-hmm. And there's it's been such a great experiment, meaning... It's okay to say the thing mm-hmm. to yourself. You don't have to say it to anybody else, but to yourself. So like that that re- led to the, some of these revelations. Like I wanted to become a known person mm-hmm. because I would have anxiety at these parties. And if you if people know your interests, then maybe... It's the same for Neil deGrasse Tyson. The guy at the party who knows about science or likes science is going to go up and talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know what I mean? So it's not as ego-driven or as ugly as maybe it sounds. Yeah. That being said, so I would ask yourself, do you really want to be like a social butterfly? And if you do, Mm -hmm. then my tips would be realize that everybody feels the same way. Everybody's trapped inside their own experience. You don't know. The danger comes in assuming that these 15 people feel the color green and you feel the color purple. Yeah. Like that's just not true. Yeah. Everybody is a constantly shifting, uh, color light presentation. Mm -hmm. You could feel happy one moment. Then somebody says something and it completely goes away. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a solid or a fixed thing. So it's always just like, I would take great comfort in knowing and calling out that there's a lot of people at this party that don't know who to talk to. That's what I was going to say. Or feel comfortable. Yeah. I I mean, I, like, in general, so maybe there are some accept- exceptions, but, like, 
authenticity and vulnerability are, are just very likable traits. And it's call, the fart. It's and, the fart yeah, in, the, in front of the camera. Calling things out, being like, I, I, I mean, I learned this from you, but if you were in a situation like that, you would say specifically, you're like, I'm, I'm realizing like, I'm feeling pretty socially awkward. Like, I don't remember how to do this. That's what I would do. And the first time just, we hung out with the Gungers, I was like, I haven't hung out with anybody all of COVID. I don't know how to pick up the, the rhythm of a conversation. Yeah. And you just, you just give it name. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. This is, these are tips if, if you even want to do it. Um, but if you're feeling like you should be, be social, even though you don't want to, um, that's a different thing. And I actually think it's amazing that you got your body out of there. Like you, I think that's great. I think that's incredible. It's an act of self-love. I don't think that's an embarrassing story. Absolutely. I've left parties thrown in my honor <laughs> quicker yeah. than you left this party. And yes. And what, what I always tell myself if I'm having social anxiety about going to a party or, or whatever is, you can leave whenever you want. You don't have to say goodbye. That's right. You don't owe anybody what, anything. What, do you work for the party? Yeah. You can You can go there. This is truly what I tell myself. I go, you could go there, take one look at the party, go, and nope, leave. this doesn't feel right, and walk out the door. That's also, <laughs> speaking of Disneyland, that's how Val and I do Disneyland. Yeah. It's a life philosophy. Yeah. You go, you get panicked. I'm supposed to go to the Pirates. I'm supposed to go to Space Mountain. What do I work for you? Yeah. It's like we were saying on the plane. You're not going to remember the volcano. You'll only remember how you tended your inner field of emotion, safety, joy, bliss. Yeah. That's all you're going to remember. So we go. We one time went to Disneyland. We went on Pirates. Mm-hmm. We went on Indiana Jones. We went home. Yes. And I understand that that's a pricey it's, ticket. That, it's privileged th- that's that we privileged. can even do that. But, but parties are free. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not telling that story to say you should do that. I'm saying parties are free. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, a season pass. So, you yeah. know, we can go to Disneyland. We, we're 45 minutes away. Uh, but parties are like free Disneyland. Yeah. And Val and I have gone to many parties. We've left parties because the parking situation was too stressful. Yeah. You're like, fuck this. We're all dressed up. We're, there was that year that instead of going to the um, Emmy party, we just went to, we, we just got dressed up because we recognized that was our favorite part. Yep. And then we went to dinner. Yep. That's right. And instead of going to the party, we just talked about how great it was to not be at the party. <laughs> yeah. So it's like always make sure and check in with yourself moment by moment. Whose fantasy you're living out? Is it yours? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to dictate the kinds of friends you make, the kind of partners you meet. Yeah. If you're being authentic, you you have a good chance of meeting somebody that's going to be like you. Yeah. So you go to the party, you find the person. I was going to say, in my single days, going up to strangers and just wanting to talk to people, friends, women, or whatever, friendly women or, or you know, romantic potentials, mm-hmm. it was always just honesty. It was always just like, I, hi, I don't know what to say, but I'm I'm tired of talking to my friends. Yeah. Like, I'm bored of talking to my friends. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. And that was always just, like, a very honest way of saying, like, I don't know what's happening. I'm not pretending, like... I think true embarrassment comes when you barge into a room and you're like, who wants to do cello shots? And it's like, dude, somebody just said their cat died. Like, yeah, it's the read wrong the room. room. Read the room. <laughs> yeah. So, just represent your room. Yeah. I, I'm always so uncomfortable with these things because of COVID. I, I don't know how to talk to anybody. I'm sure. If Every you single say that, person. Everyone will say, I know exactly that feeling. And guess what? You're going to meet friends or partners or both, whatever you're looking for, that are open and honest 
in a way that you like. If you listen yeah. to this podcast, you probably like open, honest conversations. Right. So you're looking for someone that wouldn't be afraid of you. You don't want someone who's fronting, who's pretending that they're comfortable. You want the person that it's a very Scott Pilgrim sort of nerdcore thing. You want someone that goes like, I don't know what to do with these things. I don't, I don't eat, even go to the snack table and be like, I don't even want a snack. I just want something to do with my hands. Yes. You know what I mean? I know. I, and the truth is, is as two people who are very vulnerable and open all the time, you will run into people who never in a mean way, but like you can tell are maybe a little challenged by how open and vulnerable sure. you are. And that's fine. You just know to move on to the next person and see if they're... That's like, the other thing in the Tao. They say the, the master sees their harshest critic as their greatest teacher. So when things come back to you that you don't like, mm-hmm. that's a lesson in itself. But you're getting... You're learning to flow with that, too. It's yeah. sort of a different point. But, like, if you do bump up against somebody that's like, what? Deep parties with past? Yeah. Great. Maybe you're not for me. Yes. I guarantee there's going to be a couple people, at least at that party, that are like, you know, I almost went into the bathroom and left. Yeah. But now I'm glad we're talking. Yeah. And then maybe you go eat a tuna melt. And then maybe that's how you met your wife. <laughs> Yes. I love it. We got to go. I wish we had more time because this was a great one. Um, We never, our babysitter got the Moderna thing, so she was out of commission. And then Leela just wasn't napping. Um, Yeah. So here we are on Monday. Is it not the vibe to read a poem right now? Of course it's the vibe. Read a poem. Okay. I'll get the music. I will say again. It's more indicative of the the headspace I was in before this podcast. Um, the poem that I chose. But I do think it is important and it's kind of interweaved in here to acknowledge that there is great suffering happening right now um, in this country. And this poem is just perfect for it, I think. Okay. Okay. Should I play the music? Yeah. It's called Testimony by Rebecca Baggett. For my daughters... I want to tell you that the world is still beautiful. I tell you that despite children raped on city streets, shot down in schoolrooms, despite the slow poisons seeping from old and hidden sins into our air, soil, water, despite the thinning film that encloses our aching world, despite my own terror and despair, I want you to look again and again to recognize the tender grasses curled like a baby's fine hairs around your fingers as recurring miracle to see the river rocks shine like God that the crisp voices of the orange and gold October leaves are laughing at death. I want you to look beneath the grass to note the fragile hieroglyphs of ant, snail, beetle. I want you to understand that you are no more and no less necessary than the brown recluse, the ruby-throated hummingbird, the humpback whale, the (laughs) profligate mimosa. I knew I was going to have a hard time with that word. I want to say, like Neruda that I am waiting for a great and common tenderness, that I still believe we are capable of attention, 
that anyone who notices the world must want to save it. Oh. Profligate. Profligate mimosa? Profligate mimosa. <laughs> that was beautiful, my love. Wow. Yeah. There's never a bad time for that poem. That's a great poem. Yeah. I know we talked you. about something else, but that was wonderful. Thank you. All right. All right. Keep, Keep it crispy.